You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journey here at UVic. All right, I am your host today, Liz MacArthur, and I'm pleased to have in the studio with me a PhD candidate here at UVic, Jim Kempling. Thanks for being here. I'm delighted. Uh, now, uh, right now, uh, there's a very timely uh, thing that's come up, I guess, in uh, part of your research and what you do here at the university, and that's a new website um, that has been developed. Can you tell me exactly um, what your role was in in the website development and the information that's on it? Because it ties in with uh, Remembrance Day. The website is called A City Goes to War. And that's just a citygoestowar.ca. Uh, the focus is on the area of Victoria during World War One. Uh, so we're trying to um, give people a feel for what it was like to have been in Victoria during that period. We start uh, the timeline about uh, 1910 and and finish it about 1925. So we have some material on the the lead up to the war and the aftermath of the war, mm-hmm. as well as the, the war years themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, digitized information. I sort of looked through a little bit. So what was the process of gathering all that stuff and then uh, putting it into um, like a digital format for people to look at? Well, the first thing is we got uh, we got some money from Veterans Affairs to help us do this. Oh, so yeah. we, we got a, a group of uh, six students uh, who worked uh, most of the summer on this project. But we had support from uh, all the local libraries and archives and an amazing number of of little wonderful museums that are scattered around Victoria. We discovered a lot of things we didn't know were there. Oh, yeah. Um, So everybody in the community has has pitched in to uh, help provide the the content that's on this site. So we have over uh, over 2,000 primary source documents. Who is your audience and what do you want them to sort of learn from it? Well, our audience is, is everybody in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a specific portion of the, the site that is aimed at high school students. Mm-hmm. And what we're, we've put together is a program that will allow um, a history teacher in high school to uh, download some material from the site and then turn their students loose on it to build a fake book page. And fake book is a, a rather interesting uh, uh, free online tool that you can use to create a a Facebook-like um, site mm-hmm. about a historic character. Oh yeah. So we will have um, perhaps photographs, uh, uh, letters, uh, newspaper articles, um, diaries from a, a particular individual, and the high school students will be asked to go and look at that material, uh, read some of the background material, and then build uh, a fake book page and fill in the gaps with their imagination mm. so that they imagine what it might have been like to be that particular individual during the war. Hmm. It's an interesting project. Have you partnered with the schools in advance of this, or did you create the site and then just make it available to schools? No, we, we went out and talked to uh, a good number of uh, history teachers, real-life history teachers and mm-hmm. real-life high schools mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to get their input on uh, what would be useful. Um, and uh, now hopefully that we've got the product done, they will, uh, they will start to use it. I noticed that there are a couple of um, as-yet-to-be-filled uh, parts of the website when you can look at cities. I think it was Toronto and Winnipeg were two of the other cities listed, but there's uh, nothing there yet. Are you intending to fill that with other information? Yes, our, our ambition is, is to make the site about cities at war. Mm. Uh, so now that we have the, the model developed, we'll be going out to uh, other communities across the country and saying, 
why don't you uh, replicate our experience? We think you'll find it uh, fun uh, and interesting, uh, interesting to do that. So we've designed the site so that others can uh, can pitch in. Hmm. Um, Winnipeg and Toronto are are there because I happen to know they've got pretty well uh, written histories about Winnipeg and Toronto hmm. in World War One already done. So. Hmm. Um, and so why why did you want to do this? What sort of sparks your interest specifically in a project like this? Well, I'm, I'm probably the, uh, if not the oldest, certainly one of the oldest uh, grad students in, uh, at UVic. Uh, I'm, I'm 71. Whoa. So... Uh, <laughs> you don't look 71. <laughs> my, uh, my grandfather uh, served in World War I, and I mm. inherited his diaries uh, after the war. He was a private soldier. Right. Uh, and so I have all these uh, little books that would have fit in the... Uh, pocket of his battle dress that I, I inherited. And uh, it, it occurred to me uh, as I walked past a, a number of bronze plaques on the walls of buildings in Victoria that we really don't know who these people were uh, anymore. We've forgotten about them. Right. Uh, every November the 11th, we say at the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. But the truth is we've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And uh, the image we have of uh, of World War One is... Canada born on the bloody slopes of Vimy Ridge. And the national story is very powerful. Uh, a CBC reporter once said it, it, it's written into our DNA. But what happened locally is, uh, is long, long past. And, and people don't even remember that uh, Sir Arthur Curry started off as a high school teacher in Sydney and uh, a high school teacher in Victoria and a real estate agent in Victoria hmm. before he went on to fame and glory and commanded the Canadian Corps. Hmm. Um, he was uh, a Victorian, um, and yet you would hardly know that in Victoria today. Right. And is this part of um, a broader focus of your research here at UVic? Yes. Uh, I, uh, I'm particularly interested in, uh, in World War I. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my, my second website uh, on, on World War I topics. Mm-hmm. But um, the focus of my PhD uh, research is on, on Victorian World War I. And mm. uh, this uh, project was a convenient way of getting a whole bunch of other folks to help me do my research. Right. <laughs> Smart. Um, can we talk about how you came to be doing your PhD? You said you're one of the oldest PhD students at UVic. Why are you doing this now? Have you been in and out of school? Or what have you been doing before uh, you got to this point? Well, I, I, uh, I, I started off my career in the armed forces. I, I retired as a colonel, uh, went into the uh, provincial government, uh, served as an assistant deputy minister there. Uh, I ran the P&E for a couple of years. So I've done a, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, retirement is something I don't believe in. Uh, so this is a way of keeping the barnacles off the brain. Right. And uh, it's something I've always been interested in, and it's mm. a lot of fun. Did you start uh, your master's here at UVic, or had you finished that before uh, before you started your PhD now? No, I did my master's here. Uh, uh, finished it uh, a little more than a year ago, and my the thesis for my uh, my MA was, uh, was a website. Uh, the first time mm. UVic has accepted a website as a thesis hmm. um, so that was a, a bit uh, a bit of a challenge but kind of fun doing that huh. what was that website um, it, it's called birth of a regiment.com and it's about uh, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry hmm. uh, and their uh, formation in 1914 uh, and the experience of the war for that regiment hmm. 
And now you have two websites under your belt. That's impressive. Uh, I actually have three. Oh. Uh, I started off uh, as, as part of my MA program, did a, a course with uh, John Lutz, who's sort of the great guru of uh, historical websites. Mm-hmm. And uh, as part of that course, uh, one of the requirements was to have a team of people uh, build a website. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's where I cut my teeth. Mm-hmm. And we'll now be uh, translating that into a course starting in January where uh, students will now focus on uh, Victorian World War I and build additional uh, website material as part of the course. Hmm. Uh, you talked about your grandfather, or the notebooks that you inherited from your grandfather. So are you, do you have a, a long history of uh, growing up in Victoria and living here, or were you from another part of Canada? Um, I came here as a, a cadet back in the Middle Ages uh, <laughs> at Royal Roads. Oh, right. Uh, so I've been in and out of Victoria a lot. I've mm-hmm. probably lived here a total of, uh, oh, maybe 20 years total in Victoria, but mm-hmm. uh, all, all over the world, Germany and Australia and all across Canada and mm-hmm. various other places. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so why did you settle in Victoria? Just a nice place to be or? This, once you've lived in Victoria, you will always come back. This is the most beautiful place on mm-hmm. God's green earth to live, I think. And uh, it's, it's a, a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to raise a family, to live, and uh, you, you just can't get any better. And I've, I've lived in a lot of places. So. Hmm. so what happens now? How much longer do you have left in your PhD? And uh, what is your hope once you've finished? Uh, what will sort of the project look like once you're done? <laughs> How long will it take to finish a, a PhD is mm-hmm. a, a movable question. Um, another couple of years anyway, probably mm-hmm. three. My ambition is to finish my PhD before my my grandson finishes his BA. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a, a couple more here. I'm done the the uh, coursework. Right. So I'm now into uh, studying for comprehensive exams and then mm-hmm. getting into my, my dissertation. But I hope that uh, by the time we're finished, this, uh, this website uh, has incorporated several other uh, cities uh, into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have also uh, reached out into uh, the community and gathered uh, all those uh, shoeboxes that are sitting in people's attics mm. uh, now to include them on the site. And we've got what at that point should be the, the richest storehouse of World War I material um, available. Mm. You were talking about discovering uh, little things that you didn't know were here in Victoria when you're talking about um, connecting with like museums to get this kind of information. Um, what were some of the things that were discovered that you didn't realize were here? Well, it's interesting. If A few years ago, uh, Oak Bay commissioned a, a history of, of Oak Bay, and it paints this picture of a bucolic uh, behind a tweed curtain sort of community. But in World War I, uh, Willows was a fairground that was the major concentration point for troops going off to war. So there were hmm. thousands and thousands of soldiers in what is now Oak Bay. Uh, Cattle Point was a rifle range. Um, and that seems to have just disappeared from the, the consciousness of, uh, hmm. of Victoria. Uh, what's now the Backpacker Inn, I think this is right, was the Kaiserhof Hotel. Hmm. Not in a, a, a particularly good name during World War I. Mm-hmm. And there was a riot. Uh, the Kaiserhof Hotel was trashed by an anti-German 
riot in, uh, in 1917. Hmm. Um, the level of, uh, of anti-Asian racism that existed in Victoria is quite staggering when you read it today. Mm -hmm. um, we've got another project in the department going on about the, uh, the Panama Maru. I think later this month uh, they'll be putting on a performance about the, the trial that occurred um, in Victoria, but uh, that led directly to very, very uh, uh, rigid anti-Asian immigration policies mm -hmm. in, uh, in Canada that ultimately led to the Kodagama Maru being escorted out of Vancouver Harbor by a, a Canadian Navy warship, the Rainbow. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. It's interesting to hear about all of the um, about these stories about the World War One era in Victoria, because I think Victoria is a city that does focus on its historical past, but it seems to be um, mostly focused on Fort Victoria era. Like if you go downtown, if you take any kind of tour around, what they're talking about is the uh, you know the bricks on the street where the fort used to be, and then the, you know the mm -hmm. the um, the Marie or Maritime Museum, which used to be you know, the courthouse. Um, but there is, I, I agree, with you, this sort of gap that it's lost from our consciousness that things were happening, you know, in World War One and World War Two would have looked very different than it does now, and very different from the fort days. Is there anybody? else that's sort of doing this work on sort of constructing um, the, the historical, I guess, context of the, these times in Victoria? Yes, in fact, we're not, we're not the, uh, the first one. Um, the, uh, the library was involved a, a couple of years ago uh, when there was a production called uh, Mary's Wedding hmm. uh, that was set in World War I. Um, so the special collections uh, at the library has quite a good World War I collection. Uh, we've had other websites. Uh, ben Izzet, who's now a, a city councillor, um, built a, a website about the Siberian expedition that left from, uh, from Victoria just at the end of the war. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been, been some material. The interest in an earlier, earlier era is something we fostered at UVic, in fact, because uh, John Lutz's earlier work was Victoria's Victoria. Uh, mm. So we had uh, history students out building website material about the city of Victoria before 1900. Mm. Um, so uh, that interest is something that we actively fostered and we're now shifting our focus to, uh, to a later period, so hopefully we can replicate that result for uh, for the World War One period. Hmm. Um, you mentioned that you were in the armed forces. Did that give you um, particular insight into um, into looking at a place during wartime and I guess maybe understanding things that civilians would not understand? Uh, perhaps. Uh, my, my initial, uh, my MA research was on a, a regiment that went off to war. And, uh, and that regiment drew its soldiers from all across the country. Um, so I started to look at the individual records of, uh, of these soldiers to ask where did they come from, why did they, uh, why did they join up, why did they join this, mm. uh, this particular regiment. Um, so that, that really got me uh, into trying to uh, understand the lived, lived experience and, and I, I realized that um, it was very different depending on, on, uh, on where they came from. Folks in in Winnipeg uh, would have had a very different experience than folks in uh, uh, in Victoria. Hmm. 
What was the difference? Why were they assi- What were the reasons that they well, were signing up for? Well, in in Winnipeg, uh, the focus would have been uh, there was a a very large segment of the population that had immigrated from uh, from Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the concern about um, that element of the Austro-Hungarian Empire are these folks really loyal Canadians? Uh, loyal Canadians in that period, meaning uh, speaking with a British accent. Uh, Hmm. Uh, and not much else. The idea of a diversified country was uh, was pretty far from the the, the core understanding. Hmm. Whereas in in Victoria, uh, not much of that kind of population uh, here. Uh, the the focus was on uh, on the Asian population and 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 that issue because of our position on the the Pacific Rim. So there was racism in both areas, mm-hmm. uh, but it, a, a very different sort uh, yeah. in Winnipeg than you would have experienced here. On the um, the City at War website, is there um, are there accounts from people um, who might have been targets of racism and things like that, or is it mainly focused on people who went and served who might have what I don't know, maybe in many people's minds, sort of the I don't know, like a typical soldier who yes. isn't dealing with those kinds of issues. Yes, one of one of the challenges when you do this type of thing is to uh, reach out and penetrate the sort of underrepresented communities. Mm-hmm. So you can find lots of articles in uh, local newspapers about uh, relationships with the uh, the Chinese community in Victoria, mm-hmm. but they're all painted with a, a, a particular paintbrush, and you have to penetrate uh, through that. When you read some of them today, mm-hmm. y- you just you just rear back in in horror at the, the the what appears today to be blatant racism, but in that period would have been accepted as as normal. Right. Um, and the same thing is true if you try and uh, find out information about uh, First Nations in Victoria. Mm. Uh, what you find is is what's in the official record, and that all tends to be uh, painted with the official paintbrush. Uh, so digging through that material is one of the challenges that, uh, that historians have. It's a lot easier to find uh, uh, letters and notebooks from uh, upper-class uh, well-to-do Victorians than it is to find uh, the same sort of material from uh, the people who may have been uh, uh, the cook in the kitchen or tending the garden or, or, or something like mm-hmm. that. Were you able to find that, any of that material? We have some. Yeah. Uh, but uh, our hope is that uh, by putting this website out there and saying to folks in Victoria, uh, dig through your closets, uh, we're interested in, in looking for material, that we'll get more of it. Mm-hmm. Because that's always a challenge uh, for uh, for any historian is to uh, is to penetrate through the the official record that uh, is fairly easy to come by. Mm. Uh, we have official records of, of virtually every soldier who served in the, in the First World War. You can you can go online and, and find the document where they they signed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting behind that is is more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, do you reach out then to uh, those sort of community groups within Victoria, First Nations communities, the Chinese community, to see if they um, they have that kind of material to add to the website? Yes, y- yes, we do. Uh, we've, uh, but but that's been a challenge. Frankly, we haven't been able to get uh, a lot mm-hmm. uh, at this stage. Uh, we're hopeful with uh, some of the publicity around uh, around this website we'll get more. But we have had people come to us and say, uh, uh, here's a whole bunch of material I have. The, the Scott family in Victoria has, mm. has given us access to uh, 
a tremendous amount of, uh, of really rich archival material. Um, so we can uh, uh, follow the, the story of Blaney Scott and, and how he went off to war. And we'd like to find that sort of material about, uh, about others in the community, uh, others in the community as well. Hmm. Did you find anything that really surprised you or that stood out as something um, you weren't expecting or was most of the material you got what you were expecting to find? Well, one of the, one of the, the stories that I, I used in the, uh, the unveiling presentation um, was the story of uh, Charles Adams. There's this marvelous uh, painting from World War I of the ghosts of soldiers going up the slopes of Vimy Ridge and on the top of the ridge is this magnificent uh, Vimy Memorial. And when people think about who are these ghosts, the image that comes to mind is uh, a young person in their, uh, in their early 20s uh, inspired to go off to fight for king and country. Uh, but Charles Adams was a 41-year-old accountant hmm. when he joined in 1916. Uh, by 1916, it was pretty obvious to anybody um, what the numbers looked like, and an accountant certainly would have been able to uh, look at the odds, uh, and yet he joined up in 1916 and went off to war. Mm. And a year later, he's one of the ghosts mm. on Vimy Ridge. Um, so it changes your perspective from that typical, uh, it was all the young men who went off to war, to realize that it, it wasn't. Uh, there were... Uh, married men with uh, three or four or five uh, children who went off to war. There were um, people like uh, Roland Burke who uh, had terribly poor eyesight, tried to enlist in the Canadian Navy and, and they wouldn't have him because his eyesight was not good enough. So he went to England and joined the Royal Navy. The Royal Navy has a different view of eyesight because hmm. Nelson, uh, of course, only had one eye. Uh -huh. So he joined uh, joined the Royal Navy and and won a Victoria Cross. Wow! And then came back to uh, Victoria <laughs> and spent a, the rest of his life uh, working uh, working at the dockyard. Hmm. Um, so a very humble man, uh, the most untypical heroic figure you could imagine. Even his photographs don't look like uh, a heroic figure, and yet he's one of our hmm. uh, unsung heroes, uh, a Victoria Cross winner, buried here in Victoria. Wow. Yeah, that's an incredible story. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're out of time. If people want to find out more about this, uh, what's the website? Uh, the website is uh, acitygoestowar.ca, mm -hmm. and there's lots of contact information on there if you want to uh, want to find out more about it. Mm -hmm. And I guess if people have uh, material that you might be interested in. Yes. That as well? Uh, mm -hmm. That contact information is there as well, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Not at all. Delighted. Again, thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon on CFUV.